Welcome to the exciting adventures of the Intro to Briscoe podcast, the most fearless podcasters of them all. Aided by the trusty veterans Matt and Mel, our heroic newbies Will and Caitlin review this cult classic series one stupendous episode at a time. Join them now as they take an in-depth look at this week's thrilling episode. Welcome to episode two of Intro to Briscoe. I'm Matt, and joining me, <laughs> and joining me is my fellow Briscoe fan, Melanie. Hello. And then we've got our newbie co-hosts, Will. Hello, hello. And Caitlin. Howdy. And today we are joined by our special guest. You may have heard her already. <laughs> whooping and hollering, Claire. We're having a regular old hoedown. <laughs> yeah. Hi, hey, y'all. Yay. <laughs> Welcome. I know you wanted to guest on every episode, but you just got one for now. <laughs> I've got the second one, so I win everyone. <laughs> I'm the first guest. You are. Oh, yeah. I guess that we, we love you the most. Oh. <laughs> what about all those other people you're hurting their feelings? Reciprocated. <laughs> all right. So what's, what's your history with Briscoe? My history is that. You told me I should watch it, uh, so I did. <laughs> so, I've only seen, I'd never heard of it before. The only thing I knew about it was that there's a character called Bowler and a character called Briscoe, mainly because that's the name of your cats. And <laughs> yeah. it had Bruce Campbell in it, and it was a western. That's all I knew. And I've watched the pilot, and I've watched this episode, and I know nothing else about it. <laughs> so I'm a complete newbie. How do you feel about it so far? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> We, Mel, yeah. and I, Mel and I did forget to mention our cats last time. We got our first cat around the time we started watching Briscoe, so we named him Briscoe. And then we adopted another cat later and named him Bowler. And uh, just for, you know, continuity's sake, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. But, uh, I think you need to get a third cat now and call it Bunny. Oh, we, yeah. <laughs> we, want it, we do want to get a, a, a third cat and name him Socrates. <laughs> But um, <laughs> we should have switched their names because uh, our cat Briscoe is super grumpy all the time and our cat Bowler is super nice. <laughs> I think the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to reveal the winners of the highest and the lowest point uh, poll winners for the previous episode. Uh, so last time we, we all voted for our highest points of the episode and our lowest point and then I put the polls up on Facebook and everybody voted and here are the results for the pilot. Uh, the high point of the episode... Uh, Mel's choice was the winner. Woohoo! <laughs> Yay! Oh, uh, Lord Bowler as a talking horse. <laughs> yeah! I almost voted for yours instead of mine. I got you oh. back, Mel. I got you back. Yeah! <laughs> and the uh, the winner of the low point of the episode was Caitlin with the entire Thorogood subplot. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess if everybody agreed with you, then it's a good thing he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Just because we think the character's dead doesn't mean he can't come back. Possible spoilers for this episode we're about to review. <laughs> Wait, <dude. laughs> yeah, that's true. Anyone have anything else before I get into the recap? I, I got to meet Bruce Campbell last weekend. Oh, yes! Oh, yes. <laughs> right. And how was that? That was great. It was at Portland Comic Con last weekend. He was one of the guests. So I got the time. They gave us the time to, to get in line, and I got there before that because I knew people would be getting in line. And so as... Um, getting closer moving through the line he was moving people through like very quickly because there was a huge line as i was getting close i could hear him he seemed kind of upset that people 
were taking pictures of them. It's like, I'll sign anything they want, but I don't want to be photographed. So I'm like, oh, it's kind of a kind of a diva maybe <laughs> and they had told us that he wouldn't sign dynamite comics that's the only thing he wouldn't sign so i did a quick google search and it turns out there's some kind of dispute over unpaid royalty so he doesn't want to sign those they're i think ash comic books but the, but the guy in front of me had one of those he said you know i'm just gonna get him to sign it anyway it's like you ditch <laughs> try to get him to sign the thing he doesn't want to sign but he kind of cheered up as the line was moving along it seemed his mood improved and i saw the guy hand him the um dynamite comic book and he um you see him getting a little bit more animated i guess he was explaining why he wouldn't sign the book i'm not sure if he ever signed the book because i was rehearsing in my head what i wanted to say to him like you know <laughs> big fan we're doing this podcast could you i was going to ask him if he would do a bumper for this show but as soon as i walk up there he's like hello my fan i think he said my fan he might have said my friend but it seems <laughs> you know, like him to say hello my fan and <laughs> On the photo, you want him to sign. You had to give a sticky note with your name on it. It helps, you know, speed things up and helps them know how to spell your name. It's like, so before I could say anything, it's like, so hello, my fan. Hey, Will. So what do you do here? Like, how do you like it here? And blah blah blah. Yeah, Portland doesn't have too many assholes, does it? So he's just going on and on, asking me questions before I could say anything, and before I know it, he's handing me my autographed picture back, and I'm like, damn it. <laughs> so before I left, I did spit out. Yeah, we just started a new podcast about intro to, about adventures of County Briscoe County Junior. It's called Intro to Briscoe. It's like, okay, thanks. And that was it. Aww. <laughs> well, Aww. That's unfortunate, but still cool. <laughs> yeah, it was good, you know, asking me about myself and, yeah. and you know, it was good to have a conversation with him because I was having fun talking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now Caitlin can learn from your ordeal because she's going to yeah. have a second chance. <laughs> right? Yes, I have many months to prepare. <laughs> good, good, good. You better get that bumper. <laughs> get the bumper for the I very can't... end of the podcast. Yeah, for the last episode. <laughs> I just imagine now Bruce Campbell going, hello, my fan. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a weird expression if he, if he did say that. He considers his fans a whole different species of humans. <laughs> I might start saying that when I, when I meet up with my friends. Hello, my fan. <laughs> <laughs> Just read them out. <laughs> I know you love me. Don't deny it. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, jump into the recap for this episode. This one is Socrates. Uh, how do you say that? Socrates's sister? <laughs> Socrates's sister. Yeah. Yes. Sounds about right. Episode two, maybe. <laughs> I'll get to that later. Um, so it opens with uh, Bowler and. Uh, briscoe chasing a guy on a horse and they're both hunting him bowler's again super grumpy that briscoe's gonna I, I've steal got, i've got in my notes right away bowler is grumpy yeah that's my secret briscoe i'm always angry <laughs> yeah <laughs> green and huge so they're both chasing the same guy and they uh they jump over a road closed sign a did like a danger sign Briscoe um, is like dodging some branches in a close-up, and I wonder if they used a, if he like told the filmmakers about Sam Raimi's old trick where he would like just hit him in the face with branches to make it seem like <laughs> like moving through trees. Yeah, maybe <laughs> they would, like push him along, and people would hit him with branches in the face. He's a sucker for punishment. <laughs> 
Maybe Sam Raimi turned up on set that day just to do that. Just to <laughs> hit Bruce Campbell with branches. Uh, uh, yeah, Ted Raimi was there too. He was at the booth beside Bruce Campbell oh, signing right. autographs. Oh, yeah. nice. Did you get to meet him too? or? No, I didn't. But I hear they did a panel together. Uh-huh. Well, I didn't get to go though. Was he dressed up in his giant uh, chess piece costume from Twin Peaks? <laughs> yeah, I would have loved to see him dressed up as Chaucer, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Briscoe uh, takes a detour and then somehow teleports to the top of a rock. Oops, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> I think that maybe Comet can fly. <laughs> maybe Comet can fly. It's, it, yeah. I, 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 I really squint this. <laughs> he can sprout wings. Yeah. It seemed yeah. like Bowler flushed it, flushed the criminal out for him, though. Yeah, and then Briscoe yeah. just swooped in and took the bounty. Yeah. Uh, that would be cause to be grumpy. Yes. So uh, Bowler lands in the water uh, near the Gravesend sign. So apparently this place was covered with... Uh, or a dam was built and it flooded this whole place. I'm not sure we ever get an explanation of why, though. I thought it's... that was cool. Like, like particularly... Sorry, skipping ahead. Robin yeah. Birch can tell me... Um, like the underwater town. I thought that was awesome. That was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. But here we get... I'm just going to go with what, my low point right now, actually. It's... Uh, this <laughs> this uh, this episode has two examples of joke writing. One horrible and one brilliant. <laughs> this is the horrible <laughs> one where Bowler lands in the water and he's like, Oh, I can't swim. Try standing. That is the oldest joke in the book in like, I've seen like a million other places. And it's not funny. <laughs> so that's kind of like a sophomoric uh, joke, I thought. I can't swim either, so I can relate to that. Yeah, but you can tell. <laughs> I know, yeah, it's a bad joke. the bottom of the lake. <laughs> he, he's really tall, so you think he would have been able to tell. Like, yeah. he was knee-deep in that I guess water. maybe if you're panicked. I don't yeah, know. But if you're knee-deep, you can usually touch the bottom when you're struggling. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, the lake looked really deep, though, later. Like, it's got an entire building inside oh, yeah. it. So, so yeah, so why does he go back in the lake if he can't swim? He's very confident about that log. <laughs> 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 uh but, uh, yeah, this joke was taken to the extreme, I think, in uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights when Little Joe <laughs> fell in the tiny creek. <laughs> I can't swim. Yeah. That one was kind of funny because the creek was so tiny. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're also hitting each other's knuckles with tiny bits of wood in that film, which yes. is hilarious. <laughs> My next note is that um, this this uh, episode already gets point because the first um, sort of chapter heading of it is a quote from Rawhide, and that made me oh, smile. <laughs> yeah, it was like the lyrics. It was like, pack them up, pack them in, Rawhide. And that yeah. was like the first part of it, and that made me smile. Ah. And it made me think of the Blues Brothers. So they captured Jack Randolph, who's played by William Russ. Everyone recognize him? No. No. Nobody recognizes him. Okay, well he's the he's the dad off of Boy Meets World. And oh. he was he was also the, he was also the, the incredibly racist uh, firefighter dad in American History X in that flashback. Oh. So he's got he's got two extremes. He's got, you know, loving Boy Meets World father and incredible racist American History X father. So at the, at the beginning when it when I sh- it showed him I'm like, "Hmm, I wonder which kind of a character he'll be playing in this episode." <laughs> he has range. Or maybe just has two extremes and that's it. I just noticed um I have to say this episode during the credits. I just noticed that uh in the 90s they really had a lot of Halloween colored fonts. <laughs> this credits had red fonts, green fonts, orange fonts. No, no 
not green. No, they had yellow. Yellow yeah. fonts, green, uh, orange fonts, and red fonts. Mm, not yeah. not tasteful at all. No, it's just like the title it's... font made me think of Indiana Jones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. probably intentional. Yeah. What did you? Oh yeah, this is the first time you guys have seen the uh, the opening. What did you think of it? Yeah, I noticed it had a lot of scenes from the last episode and. I guess some from this episode, so does it change with each episode? Nope, I'm pretty sure oh. it stays the same. Okay. But there was a bunch of shots that we haven't seen yet, too, I think. Okay. Um, the little map with a comet going across it was very Indiana Jones as well. Yeah, so we're at the, the Westerfield Club again, and it's three months later, and it took that long for the U.S. attorney to uh, to be convinced that this is Jack Randolph. Jeez. <laughs> <And laughs> Socrates' tie is back on his... Is what? Because wasn't he gonna like not wear a tie in the last episode, so he would be all hip and cool. That didn't last, I guess. Yeah, I was like, oh, his tie is back. I wanted him to like over the series become like super casual, <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> like one piece of clothing at a time. Yeah. <laughs> in, in each episode. In the end, he's just in like one of those one-piece uh, pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the union suit with the poop hatch in the back. Yeah. yeah. Caitlin, you, you there again? Did we lose? You lost her. Didn't yeah, we lost her. Oh, oh no, she's, she's there. there. She just came. Yeah, back. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yep. It was the thought of Socrates just being in his underwear made Caitlin run. Yeah. <laughs> so he, uh, Jack Randolph, stole some printing plates for money, and they determined that he had an accomplice who had the other half of the plate because somebody's going around trying to pass off a bill that's <laughs> half a bill. <laughs> some genius. So yeah, some genius. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how that would work. <laughs> Just don't turn it over. Yeah. yeah. Let me slide this across the table to you, and then I'm going to leave. <laughs> yeah, don't turn this over before I leave. <laughs> don't fold it either. Yeah. Don't even touch it. <laughs> Just trust me. It's fine. Randolph's lawyer ends up being Socrates' sister, Ephigenia. So what do you guys think of her name? I just called her Iffy for short, so I won't have to say Ephigenia <laughs> Iffy. <laughs> yeah. I read a lot of. I've written it phonetically, and I still I'm looking at it going. I don't know how to pronounce that. I wouldn't even have known how to spell it. But I've read a lot of mythology, but I'd never heard of it before. Yeah, same here. I used to love Greek mythology and stuff. That one didn't stick. <laughs> no, I I'm gonna say now I I prefer her to girl from first episode whose name I can't remember. Which not Dixie Cousins, the other one. Oh, Amanda, Amanda Wickwire. Who was strangely yeah. absent in this episode. Yeah. I, I was like, I wouldn't be upset if she doesn't come back and Ephigenia, <laughs> Effie, um, is kind of replaces her. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Maybe the uh, producers agreed with with my thoughts on last episode because she's, why isn't she here? <laughs> yeah. Because her dad's here. But he's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ephigenia, you know who she's played by? No. Nobody recognizes her either. No. Right. <laughs> no. She is. I'm not sure how to say her last name. What Judith, would you? Judith Hogue. Hogue. Yeah. She was April O'Neil in the first Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> and the third one, I think. I oh, think really? She, so she skipped the second yeah, one? Yeah. Huh. It was a different April in the second one. She was like, well, if they're going to have time travel in the third one, I'm in. <laughs> Big mistake. The siblings uh, greet each other again, and or greet each other what se- after what seems like a long time or something. So did like women's suffrage already happen or something? <laughs> she's a lawyer. She's like working a working woman. Yeah, I'm not sure if there were lady lawyers back then. Yeah, I don't know. Somebody look it up. Because <laughs> <laughs> we sure did. Sod. Yeah. <laughs> so after some pleasantries, they <laughs> uh, Socrates and Ephigenia start 
taking jabs at each other about hairlines and hips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sibling love. I don't think my brother ever said something like that to me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're fat. I've got a note here of who um, the guy who plays Socrates reminds me of, because I couldn't think for my feedback for the first episode. He reminds me of the actor, I think his name's Dallas Roberts. He was in the last season of Walking Dead, and he was in The Grey and some other stuff, and he reminds me of him. I thought he, that was him playing him in the first episode. Oh, you mean, I don't know if you guys know who I mean. You mean the guy <laughs> who played, like, the scientist in Walking Dead? Yeah, like the little governor minion, him. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that guy was, was redhead, though, was he? Um, I can't remember. So then Professor Wickwire comes in in a diving suit. <laughs> He's very happy to see Briscoe. Briscoe seems happy to see him. I'm, I like their rapport. They're shockingly <laughs> close all of a sudden. What's up with that? Oh, I think it's close. Be, I'd be just happy to see John Astin appear. Mm. Yeah, if John Astin appeared, you'd be like, oh, <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> His infectious grin. So he's trying to fund a project to, you know, perfect this diving suit. They tell him to get out, and Ephigenia and Briscoe butt heads, and uh, she believes that Jack fly. <laughs> butt heads slash sparks fly. Uh... <laughs> Uh, she believes that he's uh, that Jack Randolph is a farmhand from Gravesend because that's what he told her in his writings. And uh, mm. she I, think I, I really like her character, but she's a bit she's a bit gullible. I find it interesting that people the the women that fall in love with uh, prisoners look just like that. Yeah. 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 Just through letters. Just through letters. And yeah. It still happens today. Yes, it still happens today. <laughs> a lot of people fall in love with uh, death row inmates and stuff like that. Yeah. So Jack Randolph was one of the men who killed Briscoe's father. One of those 12 or 13 men who shot him simultaneously. After <laughs> uh, the Janai is going to use that Briscoe's closeness to the case to, to try to discredit his testimony. But, but what about her closeness to the case? You're sleeping with the person you're defending. Well, well and I, you're not sleeping with him, but in your mind you are. Well, I'm sure she wasn't, wasn't going to reveal that. <laughs> she wouldn't have told the judge about that. Listen, judge, I gotta be... Full disclosure here, I'm in love with my client. (laughs) No, she wouldn't do that. In the jail, Ephigenia and Jack meet up. I think this is the first time they've ever met. Uh, Jack plays up the pity card, and they wrote a lot of letters. I thought at this point that they might be like she might be a, a baden and they might be he she might be the partner I, I put in my notes. Ah, so you never believed like, him? Oh, it might be it might be what a twist. <laughs> um, no, I didn't believe him because oh. he was shifty looking. <laughs> He's shifting into American history X William Rush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, um, I thought that maybe she was going to be a bit dodgy as well. Um, oh. And then, the, you know, like Socrates was going to have a little broken heart because his sister was a baddie. Oh. But no. <laughs> that would have been interesting, though. Yeah, it could have gone that way, too. Yeah. I, I prefer the way it did go again. <laughs> wink, spoilers ahead. <laughs> uh, Caitlin and Will, would you did you believe him at any point? No, because I guess I trusted Briscoe's instinct. It's his show, he can't be wrong. Yeah, no, I was on the edge for a while. I kind of was believing him, and I was like, maybe there exists this other Randolph fellow. Again, like Will said, because Briscoe was so adamant, I was like, no, this guy has to be a bad guy. Yeah, it didn't take, like, in the opening scene, like, before the credits, I had some doubt there, but as soon as this came up, I'm like, yeah, he's he's faking. So none of you would have fallen in love with him? No. <laughs> no. no. I'm expecting her to be, like, a kick-ass lawyer, but then she kind of just goes all soft and mushy. So she disappeared yeah. you that way? Yeah, yeah, she did. Also, he ran at the start. Why did he run if he's innocent? 
I know that's like somebody cliche, but them. it's like <laughs> just, just just let them just let them arrest you and then go. I'm not the guy. And if you have like a solid alibi, which he didn't, then you'd be fine. Yeah, maybe he didn't. I have faith in the justice system. He could he could have <laughs> said I didn't know they were lawmen. I just thought they were men chasing me. <laughs> yeah, bowler. If bowler was chasing you when you run, oh, yeah, <laughs> I'd be terrified. <laughs> oh my God! Look at that scowl. Run. <laughs> <laughs> he has the best scowl I've ever seen on screen. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. amazing. <laughs> I know. Uh, so at Professor Wickwire's presentation, it's not going over too well with all the money guys. Unbelievers. Yeah. But Briscoe's yeah. impressed. <laughs> Briscoe would invest. Yeah. yeah. I like I like the, the technology for this like deep sea diving suit or spacesuit, whatever he was calling it, was pretty Inter- much the same technology as the one that we uh, covered in the X-Files last week. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so like 90 years later, it's pretty much the same technology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was awful. Yeah, what do they call it? A space suit for underwater exploration? Yeah. Something like that? Okay. Yeah. Inner space suit. Nice. Um, so uh, Wickwire is still very enthused after he drives everyone away. He's just like, oh, I got to work on my pitch. It's <laughs> uh, very positive. Uh, so Briscoe's feeling doubtful about his his instinct, and then we get a, a very nice uh, speech from Wickwire about how he should trust trust his own judgment. Oh, Professor's awesome in this scene. He is. I love that speech and the way he delivers it. Yeah. And Briscoe, you can just see it in Briscoe's eyes. He's just like, be my dad. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Like, can a professor be my father? <laughs> if I kill Amanda, can I be your, your son? If I kill her? <laughs> get, never mind marrying her. <laughs> get her out of the way. If I kill her. No, kill her. Don't marry her. Um, <laughs> so then Briscoe goes and taunts uh, Jack with the fake money that was printed. <laughs> he tells him to fess up, but he's not going to do it because Ephigenia interrupts him and boots him uh, out. Why does, why does he hide the paper? Hmm? The, 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 oh. uh, what's the prisoner guy called? Uh, Randolph. He like has the newspaper and then he hides it. He probably didn't want him I think to... It's when is. He probably but, didn't want like, him to... They would have given him the paper, wouldn't they? So Yeah, but I think he was hiding the fact that he was reading the article about the professor, maybe? Mm, it's on the cover. <laughs> huh? I was just like, by hiding it, he's looking more suspicious oh. than he would if he just sat there and read it, you yeah, know? Because they gave him the paper. I don't know. He's too shifty. He's like, this is why I didn't believe him for a minute, because he's super shifty. Yeah. <laughs> so after Briscoe leaves... Jack tells Ephigenia that there's a woman who can clear his name, so he needs to get out to talk to her, and that's all the convincing she needed to bring in a, yeah. a birthday cake. I, I thought, thought it was going to be the final cake. Yeah, that's yeah, what I same. thought, too. Nothing was hidden in the cake, and then the guards would have discovered it when they... So <laughs> if you all thought that when the, gr- the guards grabbed it, were you worried? Yes. He, his, his technique for cutting cake uh, <laughs> left a lot to be desired. There's <laughs> a lot of disgusting food habits in Briscoe County Jr. So far, yeah. <laughs> so far. His technique for eating cake was pretty bad, too. <laughs> like, it was. Oh, <laughs> Basically shoving it right in his, like, all over his mouth. Yeah. yeah. After he finds that there's nothing in it, he says, my bad, which I don't think he would use that term in 1893. But... <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Not very accurate there. But she he said to the guard, are you going to give him this cake or am I going to have to get a court order? Would you really go to a judge to get a court order to give somebody birthday cake? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you it's get Lord. thrown out? 
Okay. Gotta bully him into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the court order takes two weeks. Two weeks later, here's your birthday cake. <laughs> oh. Oh. So, yeah, she knocked out the guards with something that was in the cake. And uh, then she lets Jack out and he escapes through the window and takes her with him. And then uh, he grabs a horse and horses are so much easier to steal than cars. <laughs> I, I thought, I honestly thought that was Comet when he stole that horse. And I actually let out of gasp. I was like, oh, he's still <laughs> and then when we saw Comet in the late scene, I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> but then Comet did get stolen. But I, yeah, I actually gasped. I was shocked. I was like, oh no, what's Briscoe going to do? <laughs> no, no, the better question is what what's Comet going to do? Yeah, Comet. <laughs> yeah, Comet can take care of himself. It's great. <laughs> so Briscoe's throwing darts in a saloon and the waitress hits on him. Oh my God, that barmaid was annoying. Yeah, she had like two random lines. Yeah, I don't know why she was there. Second one was so random. <laughs> yeah. uh, Socrates tells Briscoe about Jack seducing Ephigenia with letters and such, and uh, Socrates wants to help go get her, but Briscoe says uh, no or whatever, and then he, outside of a, a barn, he says they're going to Heart, <laughs> Heart Canyon. Somehow he knows that Lord Bowler's behind the doors. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of that this episode where people are like, they just know that somebody's close by. Yeah. But they can't quit maybe, maybe he just always does that, and we just saw the scenes where he was successful and someone is actually there. <laughs> yes. That was my second favorite moment of the episode, is just the way that Bowler appeared, and he was kind of all hunched over. And I was like, has he been hiding behind that door, hunched over on his horse for like all day, just in case they stopped in front of that? It just made me laugh. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be funny, Caitlin, if that scenario was true about him. <laughs> He's like, I'm going down to Pine Street. Waits a second. Bird Street. <laughs> nope, nobody was here to be fooled. Uh, so, yeah, Bowler takes off and Briscoe reveals there is nothing up there but bees. <laughs> uh, Socrates summons a boy. Get me a wagon. A little urchin. Yes. And he'll be traveling light, apparently. I wrote my note for this bit when we see him on his little wagon was, I want a wagon. <laughs> I just want to travel around with a wagon. It a wagon like with all your belongings on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and his little horse, just ride around on it. It would be great. I am pretty sure he brought his entire apartment with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's traveling light. Yeah. Yes. So Jack knows that Briscoe is tracking him just because he can't see him. That's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's Briscoe because I can't see you. That is the weirdest logic I've ever heard. <laughs> Maybe he was just saying that and he just wanted to get rid of her. <laughs> I don't know. I think so. But he dumps her and fires her. Yeah. That's just the extra insult. Oh, you're fired. Insult to injury. Briscoe comes upon Ephigenia afterwards and she wants a ride but he fakes her out and leaves leaves her behind and then he teleports again and comes behind her and grabs her <laughs> Comet can fly I'm convinced Comet, Comet is, has got like wacky She-Ra powers you know like She-Ra's horse yes. used to grow wings yeah that's like Briscoe has like a sword and when he puts a sword above his head and says by the power of Briscoe Comet Sprouts. <laughs> you're turning into a, a what? A Cylon or something. Cyborg Claire. Claire, you still there? Claire! You know she's being turned into a Cyberman. Yeah. Briscoe teleported and uh, nope, swept, she's gone. swept her away. Yeah. <laughs> 
Hello. I don't know why I got turned into a robot then. <laughs> are you better now or are you still a robot? Uh, we'll see. I, I feel okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> we should ask her some questions about a turtle on its back or something to make sure she's... Yeah, you... <laughs> okay. you know what I can't stop saying lately? What? Balenciaga. What? <laughs> I don't know. I guess you're the American horror well, story. Well, I'm high-fiving you because I know why. <laughs> you might hear that again later today, Claire. <laughs> really? Is that yeah. your sign-off? Whenever you sign off now, you're just going to go, Balenciaga! And then run off. <laughs> 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 oh. Is that from it's the a... new season? Yeah. Yeah, we haven't finale. Seen We've only seen uh, season one and two. Yeah. Um, so then we cut to Socrates and his wagon falls apart. Wait, wait, wait. I really enjoy how... Well, I enjoy, first of all, the difference between Briscoe and Socrates traveling. Yeah. How, like, Briscoe's just like, I just need a rope and my gun and my horse and I'm okay. And Socrates needs everything. Yeah. And I really enjoy also the uh, opposites of Jack and uh, Briscoe, how Jack pretended to care, but then he didn't, and then Briscoe pretends yeah. not to care, and then he does. <laughs> yeah, that's true, that is opposite. Yeah. <laughs> so then Briscoe and Ephigenia come upon Jack's horse near a cave. And... I've got a question, Matt. I've got a yeah. question. Is this the same cave from the pilot? Uh, I don't think so. It doesn't look because like it. it doesn't look furnished. <laughs> yeah, true. But I know, I know that in the pilot you said that the cave was from Batman, didn't you? Yeah. But you do know that the cave from Batman was also our cave from Twin Peaks. Oh, was it? Oh my god! Yeah. It's in LA, and last time I was there, I tried to go and visit the cave, but that part of the park was closed off, so we didn't get to go. Oh. But it's our cave, and it's the Batman cave, and now it's the Briscoe cave. <laughs> yes. It's the best awesome. cave in the world. It's everything. <laughs> it ties in. Yeah. Claire, what happens when he goes in the cave? Well, he goes in the cave, and I was like, oh, well, that's obviously not Jack. He's got long hair. Oh, it's going to be that Mr. Bly character, isn't it? Oh, oh, whatever, whatever. And then he turned around, and I leapt about 30 feet in the air. Because <laughs> you were on a winged horse. <laughs> I, I was convinced. I was convinced that Pete was dead. I was like, oh, he's just like some wacky little character that was in the pilot and was awesome and I was so happy you guys I I might I have about 3,000 exclamation marks in my notes <laughs> this has like made my week the greatest week ever because I love Pete and he's oh he's just the greatest character ever I love him <laughs> he's the star of the show <laughs> Everybody making the show thought so too. That's why they probably brought him back. He's a bit so like, um, I think he's a bit like, you know, uh, Spike from Buffy or Urkel from Family Matters or the Fonz from <laughs> Happy Days. You know, just this side character that gets like really popular with the fans. <laughs> so they get brought back and they get uh, given a bigger part. I love as well that they didn't even mention the fact that he died. <laughs> like he died. <laughs> okay. Like, they didn't even what? mention it. So this is th- this is what I'm worried about because uh, you remember on the Facebook group me mentioning about the episode order was different uh, it was aired in a different order than it's listed on the DVDs the first five episodes are in a scrambled order so I'm pretty sure in a few episodes we're going to get another episode where he's going to meet Pete and he's going to say I thought you were dead and he's going to mention his gunshot <laughs> wound so 
I don't know. I think they might have put the episodes in the wrong order on the DVD. Which but. is really stupid. They, How could you not? They did that with um, American Gothic as well. Like this, that when they put American Gothic on DVD, mm-hmm. maybe it's just a Bruce Campbell thing because he's in that as well. Yeah. <laughs> but they put those on the DVD in the wrong order as well. So you have to like look up the order well, to watch them. It doesn't matter a whole lot because like Mel and I watched it on DVD for the first time. It you know didn't screw us up. We're fine. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, we survived. And it's only it's only the first five episodes <laughs> and. Uh, this still kind of works as a as a reveal for Pete because he turns around slowly, right? Yeah. Um, so cool. I've only watched the series once, but I'm pretty sure next time you see Pete, they're going to say, "I thought you were dead." <laughs> uh, I would love that if they said that to him every single time they see him again. <laughs> they're like, "I thought you were dead," and he's like, "No, no, I'm alive." It would be funny if he like went to like die every episode or something <laughs> for some reason. He's yeah. the character that just doesn't die. Yeah. He's rescued. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what did you guys think that Pete was digging up? Yeah. I thought he was digging up an orb of, <laughs> you know, the, the alien thing from the first one. I didn't really think. I was just surprised to see Pete. I was ah! like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking about that, too, and then I thought maybe, maybe he wasn't digging up anything. He was just... They knew Briscoe was coming, so he just turned his back and did that until Briscoe showed up. <laughs> it's a trap. It is a trap, yeah. So uh, Jack pops out and puts a gun to Briscoe. Then Pete uh, sets up a, an elaborate trap. <laughs> I have his entire monologue written down because it made me laugh so hard. Wow. I may quote it later. <laughs> I love how good it's that entire page. <laughs> I love how gleeful he is. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Me talks like a grizzled old prospector, which delights me. <laughs> yes. He spit during this, you know, I wasn't going to keep a spit count. <laughs> I think I lost track after this. <laughs> yeah. I think he was the only one in the episode who spit, though. Yeah. It's just for you, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> he did it a few times. Uh, there was one scene where he spit and it, like, kind of got stuck on his mustache, and when he spit it, it went in two different directions at once. Yes. <laughs> it turned into two spit. <laughs> Two maybe, pieces of spit. Maybe he has a forked tongue. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Plan here with this trap is that the rawhide's going to... It's wrapped around them, and it's also attached to the trigger of a gun. So it's going. the sun's going to bake the water that's on the rawhide and crush them, and then once they've gone through enough pain, they'll be shot. This <laughs> seems just too complicated and elaborate. Why does yeah, it's <laughs> never going to work because it's so elaborate. <laughs> but it would have worked if they didn't move themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. If they just sat there, it would have worked exactly as planned. <laughs> um, you should have knocked them unconscious. Or just shot them in the face. <laughs> yeah. But he wanted them to suffer, I guess. He just wanted to show off his fancy trap. He's like a James Bond villain. Yeah, he at least should have stuck around to watch it happen. Wait, wait, so Fork Tongue, back from the dead, enjoys killing people. <gasps> 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 <laughs> He's Lord Voldemort. <laughs> oh my god. So, uh, Ephigenia is mad. Oh, wait. Mad at Jack here. Uh, oh, yeah, she is. Yeah, sorry. What were you going to say? No. No, you go. No, I think I'm skipping ahead. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Claire would approve. He... <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> He patronizes her and then steals her, steals uh, Briscoe's it gun. Makes her feel bad. Yeah. What an act. <laughs> He's not a nice guy. No. And then uh, Pete steals Comet. <gasps> <gasps> I love, I love 
That was my second gasp. Because <laughs> it was for real this time. But he threatens to shoot Comet, as if a horse would understand when you're waving a gun in the <laughs> Comet like, would. Oh. Comet would understand. I just thought that I really enjoy um, Bruce Campbell's eyebrow acting when they're looking over at the gun that's going to kill them. Mm. Like, he does some really great eyebrow acting in the movie. <laughs> I, I, I like it. He always does. <laughs> yes, I love Bruce Campbell's eyeballs, too. <laughs> <laughs> he's always got the funniest eyeballs when he's in a situation. <laughs> uh, Briscoe starts expanding his chest to stretch the rawhide, and then uh, they start to turn around the tree, and he accidentally hits her, and then she purposely knees him in the nuts. <laughs> Which is like the best expression <laughs> of the show, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. yeah, I love that, his uh, reaction to that. In order to get her to lean back, he kisses her, and she pulls away, and the gun shoots the rawhide, and they are free, kind of. <laughs> and uh, so she has to use her teeth to get the ropes off, but uh, Lord Bowler shows up, covered in bee stinks. <laughs> He's so grumpy. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> was that? And rightly so, I think. Yes, yes. <laughs> That... He seems to be a good tracker. You should just never trust Briscoe. <laughs> yeah, you should. You could probably find these people on his own. <laughs> so obviously, Bowler's not going to help untie them after what happened to him. Anything else here? Is he a good tracker though? Because if he followed the wrong lead and like fell for it, is I don't he? Know. He's trying to take the easy way. Out. <laughs> yeah. I think he can track. Oh, he can track fine, but mm. <laughs> you have no he just wants no a doubt quiet about life. <laughs> So then Socrates gets thrown from his mule. I love how Sunbird... He's playing, he's playing real-life Buckaroo. <laughs> it's like the game Buckaroo, but in real life. <laughs> I don't know this game. It's like where you have a little plastic uh, donkey, mm. and it, you have to take it in turns to put um, as much luggage on its back as you can uh, but you have to like balance it because if you put too much on it like bucks and all the luggage comes jump like flying off board game? and then you lose it's not a board game it's like a plastic uh, donkey on a board hmm. but it, it's you know about the size of I don't know a squirrel <laughs> and you have to put luggage on it and then like you have to be really careful and it's a bit like operation and if you you know do something wrong then it bucks and all the stuff goes flying and that's what it reminds it's like the opposite of Jenga. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll try and find a video. I'll put it on the Facebook group. Okay. So uh, Jack and Pete formulate a plan to get the other plate, which is underwater at Gravesend, by using uh, the inner spacesuit of Professor Wickwire. And <laughs> as they're speaking, uh, Comet grabs the article out of Pete's hand, I think. I think it was Pete. Yeah. Bucks him off and then runs away. And then Pete, Pete fires at him and doesn't even aim. He's just shooting you know, nowhere. <laughs> what were you saying, Will? I was saying Pete got mad. Like, I'm too much of a... Yeah. Of... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. I have it. I have it written. I've, I think I've got every single one of Pete's quotes written down because I love him so so then Socrates collapses again under his under the weight of the sun in his, his backpack. <laughs> yeah. And then there's like a shadow that comes up. Can you hear it? I was like, oh my god, what's gonna somebody found he's gonna die. Yeah. Well it was a horse, but I thought it was gonna be like one of the bad guys on the horse and they were like um uh, not Pete, the other one, and they were gonna like kidnap him. Briscoe. It turns out that Comet has opposable thumbs because he helped Socrates get up again. <laughs> <laughs> It was, it was trapped under all that stuff. Yes. So Briscoe and Ephigenia camp out, and she feels sorry for herself, and they have a tender moment. We find out what uh, Socrates' um, nickname is. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted an explanation of why his nickname is Bunny. Because he's so He adorable. looks a bit like a rabbit. Does yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. 
Kind of ner- <laughs> nervous like a rabbit, maybe? Maybe he had buck, yeah. teeth. Maybe he had buck teeth when he was a kid. Aww. <laughs> so Briscoe assumes that they were from a privileged family, and uh, she reveals that her mother worked hard for uh, to get them through school and such. And uh, I-, I just I just pictured um, that their mother's name is like, I don't know, she's like a, a, a stripper named Candy or something. And she's, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I'm not going to let my kids go through what I went through. Oh my god, man, you took that to the extreme. Yeah. I was named Candy at birth, and all I could ever hope to be was a stripper. I'm going to name my kids Socrates and Ephigenia, so they have to be smart. (laughs) Candy Pool sounds like an amazing place. Like a swimming pool pool of candy. (laughs) So Briscoe plays a coy and pretends to have forgotten their kiss. Oh, you Briscoe. <laughs> I just write He's so sly. <laughs> in order to save time in my notes, I just put everyone as either a one one letter or two letter name. So every time I see B, I almost say Bruce instead of Briscoe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Comet and Socrates show up and interrupt their their smooching. And I wrote down that Socrates sock blocks Briscoe when I meant to say something else. But my my prediction of Briscoe sleeping with her would have come true if it wasn't for Socrates. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Damn it. It would have done it right there in the dirt. (laughs) (laughs) Right there in the dirt and spit. Hopefully. There's peat spit all over the place. Who are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs) He's just littering the entire West with spit all over. You can't avoid it. (laughs) It's just everywhere. Yep. They're in, like, the desert. They have to, you know, have water for the foliage that's around somehow. Exactly. It all grows out of the spit. That's right. He's exactly. making the world green. He's making the world green. No. He's, actually, he's actually contributing <laughs> to nature. Oh, wow. Um, he's actually a nice guy. Cares about the environment. <laughs> he's like uh, Yes. <laughs> and that's, you know, every time he kills someone, their body decomposes and provides nutrients back <gasps> into the soil. <laughs> he makes sure to just leave them there to <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he composts bodies. Oh no! <laughs> oh. He's got a little composting farm in his backyard, just filled with bodies. Oh my god! You guys just turned into a maniac. <laughs> he started the green movement. <laughs> Maybe that's why he stole Comet, because he knows that manure is such a good fertilizer. <laughs> <laughs> Poop on all these bodies, please. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh. He's just spreading lime all over the body. Oh, no. He's getting Comet to poop on oh. <laughs> Let's not take this any further. <laughs> Pete and Jack go to uh, Wickwire's lab and find him soaking it in a tub, testing the Having suit. Having a relaxing time. <laughs> <laughs> they begin to drown him, and then we go to commercial break. Did you guys think he was going to die? No. No. Come on. He's everyone's favorite character. <laughs> nobody nobody really died. Fine. So <laughs> fine. I couldn't work out how his, his suit, like, because there's no gloves. So I was like, well, there must be water getting in there somewhere, or else it would be cutting off his pulse around his wrists. Yeah, you would think so. It would have to be tight. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I was surprised there's no gloves on it. Maybe it works with the same principle that, like... I don't know, an underwater submarine docking thing. 
I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Eh, probably if it did have a leak, it would just rush right in there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> probably all the pressure. <laughs> um, Briscoe shows up too late, but everybody's you, gone. I was going to say, it would have been morbid if Briscoe discovered that <laughs> uh, they had killed the professor. No! They just found him in a tub of yeah. water. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the end of the episode, and yeah. I'm like, wow, that was dark. Well, <laughs> realistically, they probably would have brought the professor to the uh, compost farm. No. <laughs> um. uh. <laughs> no, I just imagine Pete having a compost farm. Like, there was, there was like a similar thing that appeared in Hannibal, and that's what I imagine yeah. Pete having, and it's really creepy. Yeah, farm, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> He's got a mushroom farm, too. No. Sorry. So <laughs> Pete and Jack must have decided to keep him around, I guess. Maybe maybe Wickwire pleaded for his life and he's like, I can help you work this thing or whatever. I don't know. He's so adorable. Oh, he's so sweet. Oh, um, maybe that's what happened. Maybe they were like, they just saw his face like panicked under there. They're like, oh, I can't do it. He's too adorable. <laughs> <laughs> his eyes are too sparkly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's still pretty jovial, even in a kidnapping situation here. He was. <laughs> I like the under underwater town like as a concept. I thought it was cool. It didn't look too when they when they were under there. It didn't look too swimming pooly, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you know, really, like it, was... it could have looked very cheap and swimming pool like, but it didn't look too bad. No, yeah, it, it looks like a lake. It was dark and murky. Yeah. 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 So Jack's gonna go down to the bottom, and this has never been tested. <laughs> Socrates, Briscoe, and Ephigenia arrive. Ephigenia thinks that Briscoe should do something, and uh, this is my other. This is my high point in the episode. This is the opposite spectrum of the joke writing, especially when seeing this on a second view, because he mentions struggling in a life or death situation down there while the other guy's, you know, safe in that suit. And uh, on the second wa- watch of this this year, I mean. We hadn't seen it in a long time, and uh, he said that line, and I, I just started laughing. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> this whole fight was amazing because they said like the thing about oh, I can't. I, I think she said it like, well, that's a bit anti anticlimactic, <laughs> and then it just kind of went crazy. Yeah, it was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Lo- Lord Bowler. Uh, yeah, he wanted to just wait till they got back to shore and then arrest them or whatever. But Lord Bowler uh, jumped the gun and he's trying to use the log to swim over to them. <laughs> Hey, this is the best. It's like a little, it's a little log with a with a hat on. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he like he just forgot he had his hat on, or if he just refused to take it off. He's got a bald spot under there. No, we've seen him without. Oh, his hat we've seen on. him without his hat. Okay, I didn't remember. <laughs> I think he just forgot. He's used to it. <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah. like a part of him. He is undone by his hat. I the best the best part of the episode for me is when when uh, Bowler is like behind the log, like laughing, like. Like, <laughs> like, like, I'm so, I'm, I'm gonna get them so good. <laughs> Love his laugh. <laughs> so yeah he's using a log to swim over to them but uh they notice and uh Pete starts shooting at him with his own gun and briscoe's gun which, which causes him to let go of the log and he starts drowning in a panic in a panic and uh <laughs> Ephigenia wants to help him uh so and socrates doesn't think it really yeah. matters <laughs> it's the only bowler oh <laughs> <laughs> but i love bowler i know <laughs> Wickwire hits Pete with a uh, with an oar, so he'll stop shooting. Uh, I thought that was pretty brave of him. You don't usually get the like, yeah. the the nutty professor character in a in a you know a throwdown fight, mm. uh, but he, he jumped right in there more than once yeah. <laughs> against Pete. I guess maybe Pete doesn't scare oh, Pete. 
Well, Pete bests Briscoe here. <gasps> Briscoe comes over and saves uh, Wickwire for a moment, but then Pete starts drowning him. And- it was amazing because there's the bit, I, I can't remember if it was now, but I've just all my notes are a bit mixed up in this bit, where like he escapes, Briscoe escapes Pete from yeah. being drowned, and he kind of escapes and gets one breath, and then he's dragged <laughs> underwater by the other <laughs> yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> I know, there's barely time to recuperate. Oh yeah, Briscoe and Pete had a fight with some oars yeah, before, before he gets pulled down. So good. And, uh, uh, and again, Wickwire saves Briscoe and wraps that hose around Pete. But then, yeah, Briscoe gets dragged down. And uh, the foretold prophecy from earlier comes to pass <laughs> with him laughing through the glass at Briscoe as he struggles for his life. Um, <laughs> Briscoe manages to grab the plates and he busts the helmets and it floods with water. It's a very fragile helmet. Yeah. Well, maybe that's just a really heavy plate. I don't know. There's pressure under the water. More pressure outside oh, yeah, the suit than in the suit. True. I don't know physics. <laughs> <laughs> he grabs his gun before surfacing, and then uh, Wickwire uh, gets knocked to the ground during his fight with Pete, but he gets a hold of Pete's piece, and he threatens him with it. And Pete oh, no! It's amazing! <laughs> <laughs> I hope that happens at least once And he calls him Mr. Wizard! <laughs> What'd you say, Caitlin? I love he calls him Mr. Wizard. Sorry, I hope sorry, that sorry. every time we see Pete that someone touches his piece. <laughs> I know! <laughs> So he throws it in the lake, and Pete is, you know, he's just forced to jump in after it. <laughs> I love the scream he makes when he jumps. gun so much. <laughs> scream again? And he's just like, no! Splash! <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, so is Pete Briscoe's Moriarty? <laughs> so far. Kind of, eh? <laughs> awesome. I want to know if Pete has a name for his gun. I like to imagine that he has a name for it, and... Like he 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 rests it on his pillow when he sleeps at night because he loves that gun so much. Like Pete Jr. <laughs> yeah. <Aww. laughs> Good night. Aww. Pete Jr. <laughs> I, I think I, th- I think he thinks of it more as a lady. So it's probably it's probably a lady's name. You think she he calls his gun a she like you would call a boat a she? I do remember. I think he did, I think he calls a baby a lot. <laughs> baby. <laughs> wow. Spoilers. <laughs> But I don't. I, I don't. I like, I like to imagine it's his. It's his version of Diane from Twin Peaks. Oh, like he talks man. To it. <laughs> I don't remember if he has a specific name for it though. He might. They try to raise uh, Jack, but the rope breaks. So Briscoe just killed a man. Yeah. I guess it was life or death situation. But he was probably dead already. He was like drowning when you know. Yeah. Briscoe went up, and then they were up there for a while. Ephigenia is on Lord Bowler's back, and she's pumping the water out of him. I like. I like just. I like how much water is coming out of him. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> just barfing water out. I like that he's wearing like pink pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> Bowler. He's wearing those like one piece pajamas. Pink. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's wearing the, the aforementioned poop hatch pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> so then we cut to Socrates and Ephigenia discussing her crime, and uh, he thinks it's irrelevant that she's that she's guilty. <laughs> uh, he committed a crime, but who cares? <laughs> yeah. All will be forgiven. Yeah. U.S. Attorney Brigstone comes in, and Briscoe told the government that she helped get the plates back but I'm I'm not sure if that should exonerate her <laughs> I don't think it should yeah she's still let a, a felon go <laughs> I guess though if they hadn't like if she hadn't let him go then they wouldn't have known where the plates were in the first place 
Mm. So they wouldn't have been able to get them back at all. I guess. Neither would Pete. <laughs> I don't know. They still would have only had... He would have, he would have found a way. I have found <laughs> <laughs> Would have scoured the earth until he found it. Epigenia says her goodbyes. Her, uh, she's a little bit closer with Socrates. He impressed her somehow. <laughs> well, because he cared enough about her to like yeah. search for her, and he which is kind of nice. Helped her save because he's really her. not. He's really not a a bounty hunter at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so Briscoe and Ephigenia kiss goodbye. Kissing in front of your brother is just really like you don't make out in front of your brother. That's just weird. <laughs> that's true. Like that. That's awkward. That is know. very awkward. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And Briscoe just gives him a little jab with the bunny nickname there at the end. And that is the end of the episode. Uh, it ended very suddenly. It was like, bunny hut, the end. And I was like, what? Oh, okay. It just kind of like ended straight after that line. It was very abrupt. Yeah. Yeah, they wanted to add it. Or ended on a little joke, but not the best joke. <laughs> All right. So what would you guys rate this episode? Claire, do you want to go Ooh. first? Since you're our guest. <gasps> yeah. Okay, so I, uh, like, for the first half or so of it, I was like, oh, this is good, but I didn't enjoy it as much as the pilot. Um, I was like, oh, you know, it's okay. Um, but then we got the return of Pete, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, guys, that bumped it up to a 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> I love Pete so much. He's my favourite character, Pete and Bowler, but Pete... Everything he does is hilarious to me. There's a bit at the end of the episode, towards the end, where they're putting the suit on the other guy, and he's not even talking. It's the professor that's talking, and Pete's reactions are just hilarious. <laughs> he's just his face is he's putting. He's so gleeful and happy, and he, he he is just hilarious to me. So I'm going to give it ten out of ten sackfuls of weasel spit. Sorry, Will. That's okay. Yeah, I love John Piper Ferguson in this. I haven't seen him in much, but Claire, you know uh, Chris, uh, the guy who made the intro to X theme song. The voice, yeah. Yeah, uh, and you know how (laughs) you know how big of a fan of John Piper Ferguson he is. Like he has like. He has like a saying from one of his movies crocheted on his wall and stuff. And I've, it's like I've, a cross stitch. A cross stitch. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. And I've been messaging him on Facebook. I'm like, you have to watch this show. You love John Piper Ferguson so much, but I can't get yeah. it. Yeah. So you you do it. You you pro- I will. prod him until he does. It. <laughs> I will. He I'm gonna make him watch it. <laughs> he does not make know what he's doing. I know where he lives. I'll go and hunt him down. Oh my god! <laughs> I'll just go and, st- and put the DVDs through his letterbox menacingly until he watches them. <laughs> All right. So who's next? Well, I thought this was better than the pilot. It, um, it was shorter and tighter, as they say. I thought uh, there were some good jokes and good character interactions. Um, I really had a good time. I mean, had a good time watching. I give it eight and a half out of ten spacesuits for underwater exploration mm. <laughs> inner space <laughs> yeah. I love that they call it inner space yeah. yes more sounds like it'd be a suit shrinking down and exploring inside the human body or something. Yeah. Oh, magic school bus! <laughs> like Dennis yeah. Quaid. Yeah. <laughs> so, Caitlin, what would, you, what would you give it? I have to admit, I thought the plot of the episode was boring. Like, definitely the, the highlight are all the character interactions, I think. But, um... So what made it boring for you? Just, uh, the plot just didn't do it for me. I think it was almost a good plot that Randolph was, like just pretending to be not who he was but that just wasn't good enough um 
But I loved, like, Claire, that Pete came back. He, I think he's going to be, like, my favorite character ever. <laughs> um, I'm going to give this one a 6 out of 10 fell in love letters. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to give it, uh, I'm going to give it a 8.5 out of 10 pieces of driftwood wearing bowler hats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I kind of agree with you, Claire. The the beginning half was uh, slow until Pete showed up, and then just the entire stuff on top of the lake that was super exciting and funny and great. <laughs> I really liked it. And all the character interactions, again, just like the pilot, were awesome. Mm. No, uh, there's no no like useless characters. I don't think in this one, <clears throat> like Amanda last time. <laughs> <laughs> at at the moment, like watching the show. And I don't know how Will and Caitlin feel about this. I kind of am not bothered if John Bly doesn't come back and it ends up Pete, like, being the Moriarty, like <laughs> one of you guys said. Like, I'm like, he's so fun. Yeah. John Bly is delightfully creepy, though. But Claire, do you think... Yeah, he's really creepy. Do you think you'd ever get tired of Pete? You know how... No. Like I said, <laughs> like I said before, he's kind of like a Fonz or an Urkel or whatever, you know, those those characters kind of got played out. Never. Because he was, he was amusing me even when he wasn't saying anything. He was amusing me even when he was with a look I was laughing. He's just he's so amazing at the moment. He's just like I, the most amusing character. I think yeah, we I need like John Bly the main of the show. Yeah. We need John Bly for a more sinister aspect to the show. Yeah. I mean, can't all be comedy. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it should be comedy. <laughs> we'll, we'll, I hope when Pete's come back, we get to see Mr. Friendly again, whatever his name was. Mr. Mr. Cards in his hat. Oh, yeah. Uh, Big Smith? I can't remember his name. Big Smith? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, so I got a little bit of tired of Pete in the first episode, but he didn't bother me in this one. Oh, yeah. Mine's in, we'll come yes. back. We're going to start a Pete fan club. <laughs> <laughs> You start sure? writing light letters to John Piper Ferguson. Me <laughs> 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 and Caitlin are going to start writing fanfic about Pete. Oh, yes. <laughs> about Pete and his piece. Somebody needs to get on that. Oh, no. <laughs> but it, I would be like, I would write a letter to John Piper Ferguson and be like, Dear Pete, how is your piece doing? <laughs> Have you have you died recently? <laughs> Come back to life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> have you been to any Wild West shows <laughs> yes. recently? So what would you give it? Though? Oh, yeah, that's right. I didn't do my writing. Nope. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. Mad bees. <laughs> <laughs> three of those bees just don't care. Seven of them are mad. So, three of them are three of them are kind of docile. Yeah. <laughs> seven out of them. Oh, watch out. They're sleepy from too much honey. That's, that's right. I uh, I kind of found this episode I like a little bit boring, like Caitlin. I just I couldn't quite get into it, but that yeah, once Peach shows up it kinda spices things up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, for some reason, yeah, I just found the plot a little bit boring, but I don't know, it's still it's still delightful, like the characters and all that. So you in Comet rescuing Socrates and all yeah. that stuff. So if this this if this was more of like a plot about the orb or something is that more interesting than the, just a standard western plot i think so yeah, yeah maybe hmm. all right so i guess we'll go to feedback we'll see how many we got brad has promised me he was gonna send some in <gasps> okay good because i had no idea because he what said to me, he's like have you recorded yet i was like no this was yesterday and he was like right I'll, I'll send some in i was like right so if he doesn't i'll i'll tell him off later yeah i, lo I loved his rating for last week's uh, x-files episode <laughs> 
Yeah. I can't remember what his rating was. What was it? It was whatever out of ten. Uh, I can't believe we're on season three and uh, uh, Bristol oh, yeah, Engineer got cancelled after one season. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah! Oh, Robin. <laughs> I feel bad for Robin for next week because me and Tammy and Brad are all going to be recording in the same room. Oh. And we're going to be like, we're going to be like naughty little kids. I can, I know already because we're already like a handful for him. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the same room. And poor Robin it's just gonna be like the teacher trying oh, to control us. Settle down, <laughs> children. Settle down. Yeah. I'm gonna have to separate you three. Oh. <laughs> so this week we got uh, seven pieces of feedback, which is half as much as last time, guys. Well, that's because I'm here. Come on. So really, it's eight. <laughs> that account- that, that, yes, that accounts for one. True. But, uh, I think it might be okay though, or else we'll have to release like two episodes per episode. <laughs> no, I think that last one was just long because it was an hour and a half show. But uh, I'd really like everybody to continue uh, sending feedback. No pressure, except all the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is from Harold Wallen. Hi guys, uh, just uh, calling in with my uh, feedback for Socrates' sister. And. Uh, Amazingly enough, my uh, time machine worked. Uh, the issue uh, that I had with the pilot uh, was addressed by the writer, so they heard me loud and clear. I, I thought that uh, the pilot was a little bit too silly, and uh, they changed it. They toned it down. Uh, now the comedy is coming out of the characters' situations, uh, uh, and out of the things like repetition. Uh, we're getting gags, delayed gags, like uh, Bowler coming back with the bit up face. Uh, or the anticipation of uh, what's going to happen with that cake. So I, I just like the mix of comedy and suspense, adventure, you know, Western. It, it was a better mix this time around for me. Um, it fit more of a piece. Uh, speaking of peace, it, it was very good to see uh, Pete back uh, from the dead. Um, and, uh, of course, even better that once again, someone touched his peace. I don't know uh, when this will stop being funny, but my guess is it's not going to stop being funny. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, what else? Uh, John Aston uh, looks really insane in this role. I, I don't know um, if that's the way he's playing the role or he had some sort of uh, health issue at the time that's uh, causing his face to look that way. I, I just don't recall. He just has a... A, a really crazed look in his eyes uh, that I'm, I'm enjoying. Uh, I'm, I, I didn't miss the uh, character of uh, Wickwire's daughter. I'm not sure if she's been written out of the show. It sometimes happens uh, after you have a pilot and they start uh, rethinking or recasting things. Um, or if they just felt that she was her character was unnecessary uh, in this issue because uh, this episode because her character is so similar to Socrates' sister, Ephigenia. They're both kind of the same character, and you probably don't need both of them in the same episode. Um, what did I miss? Um, Dixie Cousins is what I missed. <laughs> Boy, the show could have used her. Um, I, I suppose she didn't really quite fit into the storyline, but you know, so what? It, give her a little scene where she's singing in the saloon or walking by the street. Uh, and has Lowell encounter with Briscoe. Uh, let's just uh, find ways to get her in the, in this, in the uh, show. Uh, that's what I'm hoping for. Hopefully uh, the writers will uh, use that uh, time machine, whatever, get my advice, and uh, 
put into the next episode. So anyway, uh, until next time, talk to you then. Bye. Thanks, Harold. Great. Thanks, great thoughts. Thanks. Yeah, Pete's piece will never stop being funny. <laughs> never. So now we got uh, Bob DeGrand. Hi, this is Bob DeGrand with comments on Socrates' sister. Bonnie, is Socrates ever going to be able to live that down? Socrates in this episode reminds me a little of Xander Harris, somebody that is trying to be a hero but is completely unqualified for it. I loved him trying to talk Iphigenia out of jumping in to save Bowler. It's only Bowler. I like that the birthday cake didn't have a file hidden inside it. It's a nice twist on the usual jail escape plot. It was fun seeing how many different contexts they could use the line, too much weight, in. I also liked Wickwire being giddy as he watched Jack Reynolds test his new device. When Briscoe and Iphigenia were tied to the tree, wasn't the rawhide supposed to crack their ribs long before the gun fired? Finally, for me, the most important thing. Peter's back. Love that character. How he's back, he'll explain a bit later on. Thank you, Bob. Yeah, I guess the uh, the rawhide there was... I mean, they, 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 like, stretched out their chest and, like, breathed heavily, and I guess hey. that, that was enough, finally, I guess. Did we lose you, Claire? Something? Who? You. <laughs> no, I'm here. Oh, I thought I... I'm here. I thought I heard you say, hey. <laughs> no, I said, yay. Oh, Bob, yay. Bob, like, and that pleased me. He can join mine and Kate's, uh, Caitlin's uh, fan club. Yes. I was you are welcome to story. So, next one is uh, from Matt Asendorf. Hi, this is Matt A. with my feedback for Episode 2, Socrates' Sister. A very entertaining episode, uh, full of a lot of cool character beats, witty dialogue. Quite a departure from the pilot, which felt, um, although I enjoyed it, did feel kind of slow at times, very uh, overburdened with exposition and setup. And it was very unusual that so little of that made its way into this episode. We saw the professor dad again, but his daughter was absent. So was Dixie Cousins, her boyfriend with the waxy face, the (laughs) alien orb, the ninja guys. All of that stuff that was crammed into the, the pilot, just gone. So kind of interesting that they did that you know they took that road because you could actually tune into this episode having not seen the pilot and you wouldn't feel lost it, it felt like a complete episode and a good introduction to the series even though it was the second episode uh, I really liked it the first thing I noticed that was that um, I know a lot of people like Lord Bowler uh, that he's a fan favorite is kind of what I'm getting from Matt and Mel and a couple others but to me, right now, he just feels kind of like a cartoon, and he's just there for us to laugh at. So I hope that he demonstrates some depth later. William Russ, uh, it's good, always good to see him. I know people know him from Boy Meets World, but he was also <laughs> Alma Garrett's father on Deadwood, which is the second best HBO series. Hmm. I appreciated the misdirection in the beginning of the episode. It made us think that Jack Randolph wasn't really Jack Randolph and that Briscoe was wrong. And then at the end, Briscoe would learn a big lesson about jumping to conclusions about people. But no, it turned out that Jack Randolph was the Jack Randolph. And I actually appreciated that that misdirection because it added a little um, suspense to the episode. I was very um, shocked that Ephigenia would break her client out of prison. I didn't think a lawyer would ever do that, and so it was, I had to suspend my disbelief right there. But then it was revealed that she was in love with him, and that, again, I had to suspend my disbelief. But uh, that made sense. I was concerned that we wouldn't hear about her criminal act ever again. A lot of lesser shows would just let that slide. 
So I really uh, appreciated that at the end of the episode, they uh, mentioned it. And she said, okay, I'm criminally liable, and I'm going to lose my license to practice law, and I'm going to jail. And, of course, they said, no, no, it's okay. You you save the day, hooray. But I'm glad that they, uh, that they addressed that. And as for that prison break, all I could think was, oh, that's not how you eat cake. <laughs> you are eating cake wrong. Sorry about that. That was Duncan. He wants to be on the podcast, too. <laughs> all right, so where was I? Oh, yeah. How How is Pete alive? How is he alive? Uh, that's never explained. I watched this scene in this episode twice, and Briscoe never questions it. And then I thought, well, okay, maybe he wasn't really dead. So I went back and I rewatched his death scene in the pilot, and he actually, no, he looks like he's dead. So I, I don't understand this. And all I can conclude is that Pete might be Jesus. <laughs> what else? Oh, I like that the professor doesn't care that he's been abducted. He, um, he was assaulted in, the, in that tub, and then he was abducted, but now he's on that raft, and he's just all smiles, and he's just happy that he can finally do science with somebody. <laughs> and he's uh, he also had the best line of the episode. Pete says about Jack Randolph, is he alive? And the professor says, who knows? <laughs> so, um, I really liked uh, this episode. It, it didn't felt too long or too over-encumbered with uh, plot and setup like the pilot did. Although I did like the pilot, I thought this was just better. It was uh, simpler, but better, and had good dialogue, good character, the good, that good relationship chemistry between Iphigenia and Briscoe. I hope she comes back, and uh, see you next week. Oh, and I forgot my rating. I was going to give this um, eight and a half lion stick and sacks of weasel spit. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Awesome. I have to say, uh, well, I have to say first, thank you, Matt. And then I have to say, second of all, you don't just look at somebody and declare them dead. That's a, that's a Scully thing. That's, what she does. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how you do this. You're supposed to check their pulse, check their breathing. Yep. You know? <laughs> I'm going to say to Matt that the obvious reason as to why Pete is still alive is that Caitlin and I wished it so through pure willpower. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Through the... Through I through your powers combined. <laughs> yep. <laughs> You're strong. Yeah, that's interesting. that's interesting what Matt said about uh, a lot of those elements from the pilot disappearing. So, yeah, I wonder if we'll see yeah. a lot of them again. Uh, he also sent a picture. The middle ground. Yeah, yeah. You want something in between this and the pilot? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, he also sent a picture along that looks like he photoshopped where it's got Ethogenia on Bowler's back pushing the water out of him and it's captioned, I've had this dream. <laughs> <laughs> what, that he was sitting on top of Bowler? I didn't that, get that. it. That she, was, she was sitting on top of him. Maybe it's both. He dreams this. All right, so our next one is from Moira Brown, and she says, Priorities? Am I packing for my holiday? Heck no. I'm watching Briscoe Ca- County and sending you feedback. Aw, thanks, Moira. Yeah. Hi, intro to Briscoe. It is Moira calling in. I uh, missed out on sending you feedback last week because... My Uncle Nefarious was a little slow in his deliveries uh, <laughs> recently. I, I think he might have injured his leg, you know, he had a little trouble juggling all the parcels. <laughs> but he's come through now, and so I'm happy to say that I'm on board. I've caught up, and I'm hoping to um, you know, to watch along with you. I am indeed a newbie to this show. <laughs> and, um, yeah, thanks for suggesting it. It's got... A wonderfully quirky vibe to it that I'm quite enjoying. Um, 
Anyway, okay, so straight on to this week's episode. Thank you, Matt, for letting us know that they may have originally aired in a different order. Um, because when Pete suddenly reappeared in this episode, I thought, wait a minute, I've missed something. Where did he come from? Wasn't he shot down in the magical, I think I'll just duck gunfight from the pilot? So I don't know how Pete came back to life. I'm assuming it has something to do with the orb. Um, and I'm eager to find out, and I'm sure that they will tell us in some other episode. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, what else? Oh, uh, I loved Comet in this episode. I think he completely redeemed himself for having outed Briscoe in the bar in the last episode. Um, you know, Comet got away from the bad guys. He tore the piece of newspaper and brought it to Bis- Briscoe as evidence. So he was a super awesome horse this time. I think he's one of my favorite characters, honestly. I love that horse. <laughs> The female lead this time around, I was not so hot on. I, she came across initially as re- really quite shrill and strident, and she was kind of irritating me, to be honest. I have to admit, she looked much better once she'd been tossed off the horse and her hair had gotten tussled and fallen around <laughs> her shoulders. She looked much softer and um, much more attractive. Um, but I just didn't think that she had great chemistry with Briscoe, um, unlike Dixie last time, so... We'll see. If she reappears, that's fine. If not, not. I can kind of take her or leave her, to be honest. Um, Overall, I thought the plot was a little bit predictable. Um, But I have a feeling that's also partly the nature of this this kind of a show. Like, in other words, it is goofy and quirky, and it's it's always kind of tongue-in-cheek. And so I guess it's okay if you see where it's going. You just kind of watch or want to watch and see how they get you there. So... I guess that's not such a bad thing. So anyway, overall, I quite enjoyed it. Um, not, as, not as much as I enjoyed the pilot. And I don't know if that's because the female lead was annoying me or just because I'm a tad bit tired. But no matter. I think overall I'm going to give this one, um, let's see, six and a half casually tossed away pistols <laughs> out of ten. Um, love all the underwater scenes. That that just amused me because Briscoe, of course, predicted he would end up wrestling for his life underwater. And you knew as soon as he said it that that's exactly what we would get to see. And yet I quite enjoyed that for some reason. So I'm, I'm glad, uh, Matt and Mel, that you guys uh, are doing this show and that you suggested it. Uh, and I'm happy to participate if you'll have me. So, my little briskets, until next time, I'll talk to you later. Thanks so much, Mara. Briskets. <laughs> I love this. Briskets. We have to use that. Yes. It's so cute. That is excellent. <laughs> we are now the briskets. Yes. Um, yeah, thanks for joining us. We welcome all... Uh, I really... Welcome all. We welcome all, all comers. All newcomers. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, I'm really, newcomers. <laughs> I'm really appreciative that a lot of people, have, you know, started watching this just based on our recommendation. It's really, yeah, really nice. So now we've got Robin. Okay, so he it says more feedback is coming. What? How do you know? Because I don't see feedback. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Uh, wow, I can't believe we're already five episodes into the season already. <laughs> Seems like the podcast just got started. Um, this is Robin, uh, sending you feedback for So Great Sister. And um, yeah, uh, another good episode. Um, it's very cool to see Comet in the credits. I, I'm very excited about that because uh, he is one of the best parts of the show. Um, also, I, you know, as usual, 
love me some Lord Bowler. I really wish they, I, he, as a co-star, they would show him more often, but I guess he's going to be the always uh, two steps behind uh, Briscoe uh, and chasing the same suspect guy. Uh, so hopefully that'll stay fresh. Maybe they'll switch it up a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't expect that anybody guessed what uh, Socrates' sister uh, was, what, what her name was. In Iphigenia? Iphigenia? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. If I were her, I'd just go by Jenny, maybe. <laughs> Uh, what else? Uh, Pete. Holy cow, Pete. I'm so glad to see that guy back. It was really quite shocking in the pilot how he just died in that shootout. Uh, a very a very cleverly constructed shootout, um, but definitely uh, one that uh, left me disappointed because I expected him, since he was such a maniacal villain, to stick around for longer, and he doesn't disappoint again here, setting up uh, pretty much a 1966 Batman villain trap uh, for uh, Briscoe and uh, uh, Jenny, <laughs> which involved getting getting out of it uh, what, what looked like uh, they had to pretty much, I mean, if I had that thing on mute and uh, somebody walked by my TV, like my wife or something, she would think I was watching porn because it looked like they were just thrusting against each other um, <laughs> against the tree. So, uh, yeah, that was interesting. Um, what was with the whole overpacking jokes with uh, Socrates chasing chasing them? He's he, not an outdoorsman. He had to pack everything, including <laughs> what looked like to be a coffin in that first <laughs> cart. Uh, not sure if that joke really worked with me or not. <laughs> um, but I was happy to see that Comet saved him at the end there. Comet is the hero of the show. Um, you know, Briscoe is just along for the ride. <laughs> so, uh, that's probably all I have to say about this episode. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I don't know. Uh, definitely would love to have more Bowler, though. Bowler is just awesome, and the actor is awesome. And, uh, yeah. Hey, maybe if uh, he runs into some whatever sci-fi element in the show is going to be, whether we're going to see more Orb or whatever, uh, that maybe uh, maybe he'll get the glow, uh, which I really hope many of you understood that joke because everybody needs to see The Last Dragon. It is a classic. Bye! <laughs> Thank you, Robin. Melanie figured out why he needed the coffin. Oh yeah, he was preparing for the worst case scenario. <laughs> <laughs> Casey died out there, you yeah. know. You, you need a coffin. You need a coffin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Somebody... I invited uh, Robin. I mean, like, I'm sure uh, your wife never knew that you were into cowboy porn. <laughs> <laughs> Now we know. Uh, this one's uh, email from Victor DeGrand. Um, okay, so from Victor. Another episode of Briscoe, and this one introduces Poole's sister, Iphigenia, a woman smart enough to be a lawyer, but somehow dumb enough to fall for a con man. <laughs> On the bright side, we get to see the zany Professor Wickwire and his new invention, the diving suit. Lord Bowler is back too, but he has had better days. It looks like he has a bit of wily coyote in him. <laughs> yeah. First, he gets sent off in a wild on a wild goose chase and meets up with a hive of angry bees. Then it just goes downhill from there. <laughs> 
For Bowler, it's a good thing this episode ended when it did, because if it had lasted a few more minutes, I have expected to see an anvil land on his head. <laughs> things, get, things get sticky when Briscoe is captured by, of all people, Pete, don't touch my piece Hutter, who somehow isn't dead. Of course, a complicated fellow like Pete can't simply shoot Briscoe. Instead, <laughs> in the granted tradition of arch-villains, he has to concoct an overly elaborate scheme and then explain it to Briscoe, thus giving him ample time to plan an escape. This also leads to Briscoe's great line to Miss Poole, bend over and chew on this. Is <laughs> <laughs> there more? Oh yes, there is more. I only give this episode 8 out of... Uh, what, sorry, 8.5 newfangled diving suits out of 10. It lost a point because of the heavy reliance on a character who has all of Socrates' annoying traits and none of his charm. Also, a measure of the influence <laughs> this show had on me is that just before Briscoe aired, I had bought a 40 caliber pistol, and for years afterwards, I referred to that gun as my piece. <laughs> regards, <laughs> regards, Victor. <laughs> Thanks, Victor. Best thing you do in that situation. Victor, you're in the fan club. You're in the fan club. <laughs> yeah, honorary member of the Pete fan club. That's right. You guys need to create a logo and such. Oh, man. We're going to be called the Pete's Pieces. <laughs> <laughs> Pete's Pieces. All right. Uh, so there's going to be the briskets and the Pete's Pieces. Yes. The sub, the sub, <laughs> yes. It's a subgroup of the briskets. Yes. Um, all right. So this one's from Seamus Kelly. All right. Hello, intro to Briscoe. This is Seamus Kelly coming to you with more thoughts about the second episode, Socrates' Sister. And just as a uh, aside to last week, I listened to the episode. Great first episode, guys. Really excited to uh, continue on with this podcast. Although I didn't know that the guy who directed the pilot also directed the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. I'm a big Power Rangers fan, as some of you may or may not know, and that's just really kind of amazing. Although, I'm sure he had a lot more fun on this than the Power Rangers movie, but that's another story for another day. So, Socrates' sister. You know, when I first watched the show, I vaguely remember not enjoying the early episodes as much as the later ones, but this was really good. I'm actually really excited to revisit this. It's been a couple years, so if the more the episodes are like this, I'm good, because it was just a lot of fun, and any of the episodes that have the professor in them are magic and gold, because the man gets kidnapped, and he's like all super, you know, he's still happy about it, because he gets to do all his science-y things. <laughs> Although one thing that this show needs to really stop is like, I don't remember if it happens every episode, Briscoe needs to stop getting with the lady every single episode. I get it, it's Bruce Campbell, he's attractive, but like, he needs to not be mad it on every single girl because it's like okay dude we, we get it you're attractive you need to you need to stop flaunting it everywhere all right we can't all be bruce campbell okay <laughs> and it was just a great focus for everybody we get to see pete again after not that long i thought it, i vaguely remember it being a lot more episodes so hooray more pete and his piece oh lovely lovely <laughs> lovely what else is there to say about this episode i love the recurring gags like the weight gag like too much weight all that just and then briscoe being incredibly genre savvy i'm sure you've talked about it it's just that he's like i'm not getting in that water and no laughing me behind you know with air and everything and then it actually happens and they make sure to cut to him laughing in the suit with the air <laughs> the show is genius pure unadulterated genius so so far favorite character is definitely the professor with like boulder a solid second which also leads into my rating which is um I would say, God, this was much better than I remember it being. Eight out of ten well-dressed logs, I believe was that line, or something like that. That was phenomenal. So I'm excited to hear what all of you think, and I'm excited for next week. You know, I'm excited for this whole podcast. It's really, I, I really want to just end up watching more episodes. But no, I got to stick with this. I'm going to stick 
with how this is. So I'm <laughs> sure I could think of more after I turn this off, but I'll have more time to say that uh, for the next episode. So stay groovy, intro to Briscoe. Ha, yeah! <laughs> Fancy. Uh, Briscoe needs to get with every lady. So. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I think, yeah, I think Seamus, I think you're just jealous. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so we got one more. This one is from uh, Matt Bays. Hi guys, it's Matt here with some thoughts on this week's episode, which is Socrates' sister. So Professor Wickwire has invented an inner space suit, which looks like a diving suit to me. Wondering if the name of that is a reference to the 1980s uh, film starring Dennis Quaid called <laughs> Inner Space, where he was in some sort of submersible vessel uh, and was shrunk down to be injected into, I think it was supposed to be a bunny rabbit, and went on all sorts of madcap adventures. <laughs> Amongst his uh, paraphernalia and his marketing uh, around this uh, suit, there's a sign that says, not only is it excellent exercise and you can meet new and interesting species, but also that this suit is statistically safer than trains. <laughs> not really sure what that means. <laughs> saying that well no one's used it yet so no one's been hurt through using it but uh, yeah good piece of marketing there we get uh, Iphigenia bringing a, a cake to the jail um, and this cake is handled absolutely disgustingly by the guy who, who seems to be in charge I assume he's the sheriff is he I don't know not sure about that one uh, and he just manhandles this cake while he's cutting it up um, and then proceeds to eat it with his hands and well they got what they deserved for for that by the, the, the sleeping powder, knocking them, knocking them out. We don't then find out what happened to the jailers. I'm assuming that they all just woke up at some point and then presumably were, were fired from their jobs. <laughs> uh, but we don't ever find that out. And the other thing I didn't understand about that is why, having having knocked out all these guys, do uh, Iphigenia and, and, and Randolph then proceed to escape out of the window? Didn't quite get that. <laughs> I think I might be missing something there. We get the return of Pete, uh, which is good. Uh, good to see him back, um, particularly when he, he sets a, a really dumb James Bond-style trap, really over-elaborate and actually quite easy to escape from in the end. Uh, but that's all good fun. Also with Pete, we had Professor Wickwire uh, touching his piece. We know that's not a good thing. I'm wondering, is this going to be an ongoing gag each week where one of, we get a different character who gets to manhandle Pete's piece? Towards the end, there's a quite a disturbing shot after Iphigenia and uh, Socrates have, have rescued Bowler from, from Gravesend with, with Iffy uh, in her underwear, astride Bowler, who's wearing some sort of pink romper suit. I'm not sure what she's doing that's going to help him breathe, but of course, not a nice sight to, to end the episode on that one. <laughs> Overall, I wasn't as high on this episode as I was as the pilot. Uh, some of the things that we introduced in the pilot... Uh, weren't developed here, so we didn't have any Dixie. Uh, we saw nothing of the, the orb, the MacGuffin from the pilot. And the introduction of the character Iphigenia, I wasn't crazy about her, although she did have some good lines. But I do like the fact that we saw more of Professor Wickwire. I like him as a character. That was good. And as before, there was lots and lots of quotes, uh, which I'll leave you guys to cover. Um, not sure if we are we doing scores on this. I can't remember what, what you did last time. I think you did. Uh, if so, in which case I will give this episode eight out of ten pieces of well-dressed flotsam. 
And that's all from me this week. I shall speak to you later. Cheers. Bye. Thank you, Matt. And thanks, everyone, for <laughs> sending in some feedback. I love yeah. feedback. Feedback is the best. You're addicted uh, to feedback. I'm addicted to feedback. Stick it straight <laughs> in my veins. <laughs> All right, so Mel's got to go soon. Uh, so let's do our high point and low point. Mel, you go first. Uh, okay, so my high point is basically Bowler laughing behind a log. <laughs> <laughs> and my low point would be the cake, but I think what is worse is making out in front of your brother. <laughs> I think that's yeah. weird. All right. and we already know mine. It's the two extremes of jokes. It's the fall. <laughs> in water, I can't swim, stand up, and the premonition of the oxygen-rich environment laughing thing. Yes. <laughs> Alright, uh, Caitlin. Yes. Um, my high point is Professor Wickwire on the raft with Pete and Randall. Mm-hmm. And then, I think the professor is just really hilarious. Yes. Yeah. And nonchalant a little bit. Okay. And then my low point is Socrates when he tells Briscoe of Iphigenia's love letters. No. Yeah, that was pretty lame. <laughs> All right. It's like he's like r- rifling through her diary. It's <laughs> just as bad. He's done it Ooh. since childhood. Yes. It's not going to stop now. Hold the habits die hard. Yeah. Uh, my high point was a conversation that Briscoe and the professor had at the presentation where he's telling Briscoe to you know trust his gut. Uh, my low point is when when Socrates sock blocks Briscoe. I want to see that in the poll. <laughs> uh, you wanted them to get it on? Yeah, I wanted to see that. <laughs> All right, Claire, your turn. Well, my high point is obviously the return of Pete, <laughs> which is the greatest return since, uh, I don't know, the the, uh, the greatest, the, the one before. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't eat yeah. bread. Oh, well then, um, I can't eat gluten. That, that's just rubbing it in, Mel. How dare you? Gluten-free bread, then. Yeah, the invention of gluten-free bread. There we go. Um, but the, my low point would be sort of near the start. Uh, it just took a while to, to get going. So I would probably say the introduction of the um, sister, because it was a bit slow at first. So Mel's going to have to duck out at any moment, but let's start let's, doing let's, quotes. Yeah, let's just do quotes, and then I'll, I'll leave. You get yours out first. Should we do the joint one that we were going to do? Sure. So Briscoe says, Okay, now bend over and chew on this. I beg your pardon. I'm going to do a Pete one, and then I'll go, I was too much of a rider for you? You couldn't eat the Pete Hunter? You stupid pachyderm! <laughs> <laughs> Completely wrong. Completely wrong. He thought he thought Comet was an elephant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright, I have to go anyways, so right. bye guys. Bye, Mel. Uh, bye. Uh, who wants to go next? I'll go. Like when Bowler says, adios, Briscoe. Got a buzz. Yeah. <laughs> I like when Pete says, he thinks you're gonna drown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what he said? <laughs> Yeah, and then they give the thumbs up, enthusiastic thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do another Pete one. Uh, so how the hell are we going to get your plate? With a fishing pole of hope and delusional fantasies for bait? <laughs> I have, like, the longest Pete one ever. Okay, do it. Well, I also have another quick one, which is, get ready, Jack, you're about to become a man of science. <laughs> <laughs> I have the longest Pete one. Are you ready? Yep. <clears throat> okay. Ha! I first saw this little trick in a Wild West show during my formative years. Of course, they used blanks. It being a family show and all. Now you can't have the kids seeing all the blood and guts. Might make them grow up to be whopped. 
I'd say you got about uh, 15 minutes before the sun bakes that rawhide tight around your bodies, cracking your ribs and squeezing your guts all over tarnation. Then, after suitable torment, this rawhide breaks tight around the trigger and bang! Two first class non stop tickets to the afterlife! <laughs> pretty neat, huh? <laughs> Pretty neat, huh? That was pretty great. Uh, I'm gonna go with the. I'm gonna go with the, uh, the professor's speech there. Judgment says this is crazy, but instinct. It sings the truth, son. It knows what's possible. It knows the truth. I like that one. That's full on uh, Chris Carter logic. That is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he just delivers it better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I also liked when Bolan went, "Howdy, honey." That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> I have one from the beginning of the episode. Briscoe says, possession is nine-tenths of the law. And Bowler says, well, that still leaves one-tenth up for grabs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Any other ones? When Pete said, you know what I like about you, Briscoe? You're a total optimism. (laughs) Hello, Briscoe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And I apologize for my accent. (laughs) That's all right. All right, we all out of quotes? Yeah. All right. So next episode is the Orb Scholar. Let's make some predictions. <gasps> the Orb. I predict that we'll see the Orb. <laughs> Who is the Orb Scholar? What will they be doing? Scholaring. They'll have a different part of the Orb, and they're going to experiment on it, and they're going to get the power of flight, and Comet's going to have to stop them because Comet is actually a flying horse. <laughs> all right. <laughs> this is when Pete comes back from the dead. Or we'll find out how we came back from the dead. Ah, that's another one. Could be. All right. Uh, I think that is it. Did I forget anything? I think we're good. All right. So, ooh. What? I said no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said ooh, as in you ha- you thought. No. <laughs> I said no, but I kind of half yawned at the same time, so no. it came out no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you very much, Claire, for uh, joining us as our first guest. Thank you guys. Hey. They will be back, hopefully soon. We're a delight. Once I kill off all the other guests. <laughs> <laughs> you want to advertise your podcast? Uh, it is my podcast and mine alone, because uh, that's why I tune in. Uh, no, <laughs> um, I'm on Intro to X, which is like this show, but about the X Files. Hmm. All right. Uh, uh, Lily wacky things happen. Yes. Will? Uh, yes, I'm also on Down Below, which is like this show, but it's about Babylon Five. Great. And anytime you get another podcast, Caitlin, just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Me and Caitlin are going to start our Pete podcast. <laughs> yeah. Good plans. Great. <laughs> it's very specific. <laughs> okay, so we'll see everyone in uh, two weeks' time for the Orb Scholar. Bye. 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 Balenciaga. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Neither do I. Thanks for joining us, folks. Be sure to tune in again in two weeks' time for the next exciting episode. In the meantime, please be so kind as to follow along with us and send your feedback to introbrisco at gmail.com. If you'd fancy to, you can join our discussion on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash introbrisco. Also... We're on them newfangled Twitters at IntroBrisco, and we've got one of them fancy blogs at introbrisco.blogspot.ca.